Chapter 9, Part 4 of The General History of the Pirates, Volume 1. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Kate McKenzie. The General History of the Pirates, Volume 1, by Charles Johnson. Chapter 9, Part 4. But to go back to Roberts, whom we left on the coast of Guyana, in a grievous passion at what Kennedy and the crew had done, and who was now projecting new adventures with his small company in the sloop, but, finding hitherto they had been but as a rope of sand, they formed a set of articles, to be signed and sworn to, for the better conservation of their society, and doing justice to one another, excluding all Irish men from the benefit of it, to whom they had an implacable aversion upon the account of Kennedy. How, indeed, Roberts could think that an oath would be obligatory where defiance had been given to the laws of God and man, I can't tell. But he thought their greatest security lay in this, that it was everyone's interest to observe them if they were minded to keep up so abominable a combination. The following is the substance of the articles, as taken from the pirate's own informations. Number 1. Every man has a vote in affairs of moment, has equal title to the fresh provisions or strong liquors at any time seized, and use them at pleasure, unless a scarcity, no uncommon thing among them, make it necessary, for the good of all, to vote a retrenchment. Number 2. Every man to be called fairly in turn, by list, on board of prizes, because, over and above their proper share, they were on these occasions allowed a shift of clothes. But, if they defrauded the company to the value of a dollar, in plate, jewels, or money, marooning was their punishment. This was a barbarous custom of putting the offender on shore, on some desolate or uninhabited cape or island, with a gun, a few shot, a bottle of water, and a bottle of powder, to subsist with, or starve. If the robbery was only between one another, they contented themselves with slitting the ears and nose of him that was guilty, and set him on shore, not in an uninhabited place, but somewhere where he was sure to encounter hardships. Number three. No person to game at cards or dice for money. Number four. The lights and candles to be put out at eight o'clock at night. If any of the crew, after that hour, still remained inclined for drinking, they were to do it on the open deck, which Roberts believed would give a check to their debauches, for he was a sober man himself, but found at length that all his endeavours to put an end to this debauch proved ineffectual. Number five. To keep their piece, pistols, and cutlass clean, and fit for service. In this they were extravagantly nice, endeavouring to outdo one another, in the beauty and richness of their arms, giving sometimes at an auction, at the mast, thirty or forty pounds a pair for pistols. These were slung in time of service, with different coloured ribbons over their shoulders, in a way peculiar to these fellows, in which they took great delight. Number six. No boy or woman to be allowed amongst them. If any man were found seducing any of the latter sex, and carried her to sea disguised, he was to suffer death, so that when any fell into their hands, as it chanced in the Onslow, they put a sentinel immediately over her to prevent ill consequences from so dangerous an instrument of division and quarrel. But then here lies the roguery. They contend who shall be sentinel, which happens generally to one of the greatest bullies, who, to secure the lady's virtue, will let none lie with her but himself. Number seven. 
to desert the ship or their quarters in battle was punished with death or marooning number eight no striking one another on board but every man's quarrels to be ended on shore at sword and pistol thus the quartermaster of the ship when the parties will not come to any reconciliation accompanies them on shore with what assistance he thinks proper and turns the disputants back to back at so many paces distance at the word of command they turn and fire immediately or else the piece is knocked out of their hands if both miss they come to their cutlasses and then he is declared victor who draws the first blood number nine no man to talk of breaking up their way of living till each had a share of a thousand pounds if in order to this any man should lose a limb or become a cripple in their service he was to have eight hundred dollars out of the public stock and for lesser hurts proportionably number ten the captain and quartermaster to receive two shares of a prize the master boatswain and gunner one share and a half and other officers one and a quarter number eleven the musicians to have rest on the sabbath day but the other six days and nights none without special favour these we are assured were some of roberts's articles but as they had taken care to throw overboard the original they had signed and sworn to there is a great deal of room to suspect the remainder contained something too horrid to be disclosed to any except such as were willing to be sharers in the iniquity of them let them be what they will they were together the test of all newcomers who were initiated by an oath taken on a bible reserved for that purpose only and were subscribed to in presence of the worshipful mr roberts and in case any doubt should arise concerning the construction of these laws and it should remain in dispute whether the party had infringed them or no a jury is appointed to explain them and bring in a verdict upon the case in doubt since we are now speaking of the laws of this company i shall go on and in as brief a manner as i can relate the principal customs and government of this roguish commonwealth which are pretty near the same with all pirates for the punishment of small offences which are not provided for by the articles and which are not of consequence enough to be left to a jury there is a principal officer among the pirates called the quartermaster the men's own choosing who claims all authority this way excepting in time of battle if they disobey his command are quarrelsome and mutinous with one another misuse prisoners plunder beyond his order and in particular if they be negligent of their arms which he musters at discretion he punishes at his own arbitrament with drubbing or whipping which no one else dare do without incurring the lash from all the ship's company in short this officer is trustee for the whole is the first on board any prize separating for the company's use what he pleases and returning what he thinks fit to the owners excepting gold and silver which they have voted not returnable after a description of the quartermaster and his duty who acts as a sort of a civil magistrate on board a pirate ship i shall consider their military officer the captain what privileges he exerts in such anarchy and unruliness for the members why truly very little they only permit him to be a captain on condition that they may be captain over him they separate to his use the great cabin and sometimes vote him small parcels of plate and china for it may be noted that roberts drank his tea constantly but then every man as the humour takes him will use the plate and china intrude into his apartment swear at him seize a part of his victuals and drink if they like it without his offering to find fault or contest it 
yet roberts by a better management than usual became the chief director in everything of moment and it happened thus the rank of captain being obtained by the suffrage of the majority it falls on one superior for knowledge and boldness pistol-proof as they call it and can make those fear who do not love him roberts is said to have exceeded his fellows in these respects and when advanced enlarged the respect that followed it by making a sort of privy council of half a dozen of the greatest bullies such as were his competitors and had interest enough to make his government easy yet even those in the latter part of his reign he had run counter to in every project that opposed his own opinion for which and because he grew reserved and would not drink and roar at their rate a cabal was formed to take away his captainship which death did more effectually the captain's power is uncontrollable in chase or in battle drubbing cutting or even shooting any one who dares deny his command the same privilege he takes over prisoners who receive good or ill usage mostly as he approves of their behaviour for though the meanest would take upon them to misuse a master of a ship yet he would control her in when he see it and merrily over a bottle give his prisoners this double reason for it first that it preserved his precedence and secondly that it took the punishment out of the hands of a much more rash and mad set of fellows than himself when he found that rigour was not expected from his people for he often practised it to appease them then he would give strangers to understand that it was pure inclination that induced him to a good treatment of them and not any love or partiality to their persons for says he there is none of you but will hang me i know whenever you can clinch me within your power and now seeing the disadvantages they were under for pursuing the account viz a small vessel ill prepared and without provisions or stores they resolved one and all with the little supplies they could get to proceed for the west indies not doubting to find a remedy for all these evils and to retrieve their loss in the latitude of deseda one of the islands they took two sloops which supplied them with provisions and other necessaries and a few days afterwards took a brigantine belonging to rhode island and then proceeded to barbados off of which island they fell in with a bristol ship of ten guns in her voyage out from whom they took abundance of clothes some money twenty-five bales of goods five barrels of powder a cable hawser ten casks of oatmeal six casks of beef and several other goods besides five of their men and after they had detained her three days let her go who being bound for the above said island she acquainted the governor with what had happened as soon as she arrived whereupon a bristol galley that lay in the harbour was ordered to be fitted out with all imaginable expedition of twenty guns and eighty men there being then no man of war upon that station and also a sloop with ten guns and forty men the galley was commanded by one captain rogers of bristol and the sloop by captain graves of that island and captain rogers by a commission from the governor was appointed commodore the second day after rogers sailed out of the harbour he was discovered by roberts who knowing nothing of their design gave them chase the barbados ships kept an easy sail till the pirates came up with them and then roberts gave them a gun expecting they would have immediately struck to his piratical flag but instead thereof he was forced to receive the fire of a broadside with three huzzas at the same time so that an engagement ensued but roberts being hardly put to it was obliged to crowd all the sail the sloop would bear to get off 
the galley sailing pretty well kept company for a long while keeping a constant fire which galed the pirate however at length by throwing over their guns and other heavy goods and thereby lightening the vessel they with much ado got clear but roberts could never endure a barbados man afterwards and when any ships belonging to that island fell in his way he was more particularly severe to them than others captain roberts sailed in the sloop to the island of dominica where he watered and got provisions of the inhabitants to whom he gave goods in exchange at this place he met with thirteen englishmen who had been set ashore by a french guard de la coste belonging to martinique taken out of two new england ships that had been seized as prize by the said french sloop the men willingly entered with the pirates and it proved a seasonable recruit they stayed not long here though they had immediate occasion for cleaning their sloop but did not think this a proper place and herein they judged right for the touching at this island had like to have been their destruction because they having resolved to go away to the granada islands for the aforesaid purpose by some accident it came to be known to the french colony who sending word to the governor of martinique he equipped and manned two sloops to go in quest of them the pirates sailed directly for the granadillos and hauled into a lagoon at corvacou where they cleaned with unusual dispatch staying but a little above a week by which expedition they missed of the martinique sloops only a few hours roberts sailing overnight that the french arrived the next morning this was a fortunate escape especially considering that it was not from any fears of their being discovered that they made so much haste from the island but as they had the impudence themselves to own for the want of wine and women thus narrowly escaped they sailed for newfoundland and arrived upon the banks the latter end of june seventeen twenty they entered the harbour of trepassi with their black colours flying drums beating and trumpets sounding there were two-and-twenty vessels in the harbour which the men all quitted upon the sight of the pirate and fled ashore it is impossible particularly to recount the destruction and havoc they made here burning and sinking all the shipping except a bristol galley and destroying the fisheries and stages of the poor planters without remorse or compunction for nothing is so deplorable as power in mean and ignorant hands it makes men wanton and giddy unconcerned at the misfortunes they are imposing on their fellow-creatures and keeps them smiling at the mischiefs that bring themselves to no advantage they are like madmen that cast firebrands arrows and death and say are not we in sport roberts manned the bristol galley he took in the harbour and mounted sixteen guns on board her and cruising out upon the banks he met with nine or ten sail of french ships all which he destroyed except one of twenty-six guns which they seized and carried off for their own use this ship they christened the fortune and leaving the bristol galley to the frenchmen they sailed away in company with the sloop on another cruise and took several prizes viz the richard of biddeford jonathan whitfield master the willing mind of poole the expectation of topsom and the samuel captain carey of london out of these ships they increased their company by entering all the men they could well spare in their own service the samuel was a rich ship and had several passengers on board who were used very roughly in order to make them discover their money threatening them every moment with death if they did not resign everything up to them they tore up the hatches and entered the hold like a parcel of furies and with axes and cutlasses cut and broke open all the bales cases and boxes they could lay their hands on 
and when any goods came upon deck that they did not like to carry aboard instead of tossing them into the hold again threw them overboard into the sea all this was done with incessant cursing and swearing more like fiends than men they carried with them sails guns powder cordage and eight or nine thousand pounds worth of the choicest goods and told captain carey that they should accept of no act of grace that the k and p might be damned with their acts of god for them neither would they go to hope point to be hanged up a sun drying as kids and bradish's company were but if they should ever be overpowered they would set fire to the powder with a pistol and go all merrily to hell together after they had brought all the booty aboard a consultation was held whether they should sink or burn the ship but whilst they were debating the matter they spied a sail and so left the samuel to give a chase at midnight they came up with the same which proved to be a snow from bristol bound for boston captain bowles master they used him barbarously because of his country captain rogers who attacked them off barbados being of the city of bristol july the sixteenth which was two days afterwards they took a virginia man called the little york james phillips master and the love of liverpool which they plundered and let go the next day a snow from bristol called the phoenix john richard's master met with the same fate from them as also a brigantine captain thomas and a sloop called the sudbury they took all the men out of the brigantine and sunk the vessel when they left the banks of newfoundland they sailed for the west indies and the provisions growing short they went for the latitude of the island deseda to cruise it being esteemed the likeliest place to meet with such ships as they used in their mirth to say were consigned to them with supplies and it has been very much suspected that ships have loaded with provisions at the english colonies on pretence of trading on the coast of africa when they have in reality been consigned to them and though a show of violence is offered to them when they meet yet they are pretty sure of bringing their cargo to a good market however at this time they missed with their usual luck and provisions and necessaries becoming more scarce every day they retired towards st christopher's where being denied all succour or assistance from the government they fired in revenge on the town and burnt two ships in the road one of them commanded by captain cox of bristol and then retreated farther to the island of st bartholomew where they met with much handsomer treatment the governor not only supplying them with refreshments but he and the chiefs caressing them in the most friendly manner and the women from so good an example endeavoured to outvie each other in dress and behaviour to attract the good graces of such generous lovers that paid well for their favours. End of chapter 9, part 4